Father, uh, tonight we do thank you once again, God, for this opportunity that we have to, to uh, open up your word and to read it. And once again, God, just to look back in a, in a time in history and, and watch different people, how they react to you and how they react to what you're doing. And God, we, we do that not, not just to look at things and, and maybe be in wonder or maybe even be in judgment, but we wanna look at those things to change our lives. So some of the things we need to emulate, some of the things we need to stay away from. So I pray that you would bless this time as Zechariah ministers to his generation, we ask that at the same time he would minister to this generation as we're sitting here. And, and God, once again, that we could leave here tonight just excited about our God. And we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, a couple weeks ago when we left off, we, we kind of finished up. Remember, Zechariah had uh, the visions that we looked through, all of the visions. He had them all in one night. Now we're gonna jump ahead two years into more of his ministry and what's going on. And so the, the book kind of radically changes at this point and he begins to speak to the people as individuals not repeating his visions or what he saw and begin to minister to them and there's some interaction going on finally. It's like, man, Zechariah's been like, you know, in this place of woo for a while and now it's like time to get busy and time to get with it and, and minister to them. So verse one tells us now in the fourth year, so chapter one, verse one, said it was the second year of Darius. So again, two years ahead. In the fourth year of King Darius, it came to pass that the word of the Lord came to Zechariah on the fourth day of the ninth month of, uh, of Chislev. So a lot of people like, you know, give you the exact date that this happened, and I'm not sure that's real important. But he's coming together. The word of the Lord came to him, and then it says, listen, when the people sent Shirazer with Regum Melech and his men to the house of God to pray before the Lord. Now, here's where I think, I think the New King James kind of misses it. It's, they come from Bethel. The house, Bethel means house of God. And if you, if you read the other translations, it said these two guys and the men with them came from Bethel, from, quote, the house of God, from Bethel to the priest. So they're coming from up north and they're coming up to Jerusalem. Remember in Israel, Jerusalem is always up no matter what direction you're coming from. You know, it's not, it's not up north. It's always up for them in elevation and spirituality. So they're coming up to Jerusalem, it says. So, so uh, it, it says to pray before the Lord and ask the priests who were at the house of the Lord of hosts uh, and the prophet saying, should I weep in the fifth month and fast as I have done for so many years? Now, here's what I think is interesting. So they're coming. Obviously, they want some information, Right? They're coming, they're saying, hey, here's what we've done. Now, I want us to think about this because I think this is important. Here's what's going on. This is what we've done for years. As a matter of fact, for 70 years, they've been doing this. They've been weeping and fasting on this particular time. We're gonna see three other times they do it, but this particular time was when Jerusalem was burned. On the anniversary that Jerusalem was burned and, 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 and uh, destroyed, they began this tradition of fasting and weeping and mourning because of that. Now, listen, there's nothing wrong with that necessarily, but now they're going to the priest and they're saying, hey, should we keep doing this? Is this something we need to do? Because remember, 
if you're not, if you're not familiar with what's going on, they're back in Jerusalem, right? They were held captive for 70 years in Babylon, and now they're back. They're supposed to be building the temple, but they kind of got sidetracked with building their own houses like a lot of us do, right? We take care of ourselves before we want to give anything to God. It should be the other way around, and then he tends to take better care of us when we turn it around. But listen, man, they've been doing it. They've been rebuked for it by Haggai. They're going to get rebuked a little bit more by Zechariah. So they come with this question, do we continue on with tradition? Do we keep doing this? And listen, I don't think there's anything wrong necessarily with tradition until it gets in the way of what God is wanting to do. God only told Israel to fast one day a year. That was Yom Kippur. So this isn't a God-ordained thing they're doing. This is a, a, a man-ordained. And once again, we do a lot of things that aren't, you know, instructed in the Bible. And, you know, it's always funny. I always think it's funny. We're part of a, quote, non-denominational work, kind of a, you know, we kind of think sometimes we're a little bit of, of a rebel going out and doing our own thing and doing stuff. But, you know, at Calvary Chapel, we got tradition. We got things we do. And, and it's because of tradition and because of who we are. And that's okay until it gets in the way, like I said, of what God's doing. So they're asking the priests. Now, now, here's what I find interesting in verse 4. Then the word of the Lord of hosts came to me saying, Say to all the people of the land and to the priests, When you fasted and mourned in the fifth and seventh months during these 70 years, did you really fast for me? For me, here's what God is asking. Hey, once again, you're doing this tradition thing and that's okay. But was it for me or was it for you? And what were you doing? And you guys, if you've been around long, you've heard me talk about fasting. Way too many times when people tell me they're gonna fast, what they're doing isn't really fasting. They're going on a hunger strike. Because they're telling God, I'm not gonna eat till you do this. That's not fasting. That's, that's called a hunger strike. I always want God to say, fine, that I can outlast you. <laughs> fasting, again, and here's what's interesting. We're going to read in a moment. Isaiah told him about fasting, and Isaiah taught him all about what fasting is. And if you're wondering, go back and read the book of Isaiah for homework tonight. <laughs> but listen, they're saying, should we keep doing this? And here's what God says to them. If you're doing it, it's okay if you're doing it for me. But if you're doing it to show your spirituality, if you're doing it to let people know, hey, here's what I'm doing, because you're doing it for the wrong reason. So here's the question to them. Was it for me or was it for you? I ran across this great quote about dealing with, with this sort of thing. And it says, listen, it says, tradition is the living faith of the dead. Traditionalism is the dead faith of the living. Oh, see how it changes when you become locked in it and you're doing it. So that's what God is asking them. And I think that's a fair question. And that's a fair question for all the things we do. Hey, we come, we celebrate the Lord's table once a month. When we come to the Lord's table, are we coming to glorify him and meet him? Or are we doing it because that's what we do? As Christians, we're, we do it once a month. Some churches do it more, but here, we do it once a month. Have we got kind of locked into that thing? That's why we do it? We just did a baby dedication. Why do we do baby dedications? Because it's a tradition? Or are we doing it because we're really sincere about recognizing that child and raising that child up in the Lord? And, and hey, we, 
It can be a beautiful thing and it can be something that gets completely in our way of growing in the Lord. So we've got to be really careful, I think. So I think it's great that the Lord asked them that. And then here's what he says in verse six. When you eat and when you drink, do you not eat and drink for yourselves? Should you not have obeyed the words which the Lord proclaimed through the former prophets when Jerusalem and the cities around it were inhabited and prosperous and the south and the lowland were inhabited? Here's what he's saying. He's saying, think about where you're at right now. You guys there, not necessarily us. But he said, hey, if you would have been obeying the Lord, you would have never been in captivity for 70 years. But because you took things on your own and you were doing your own thing, and even things that God instructs us to do, we can mess them up. I think like things like the Lord's table, baptism, you know, doing those things. When we do those things simply because we're supposed to do those things because that's what Christians do, and I always, when, when, when I talk to people about baptism and, and, they're, they're, and hopefully they're serious about baptism, I, you know, I tell them, hey, baptism does not save you. It's not a ritual that we go through or a tradition we go through that saves you. If you're not born again and you've not repented from your sins and you get baptized, I like to say this, you're just a wet sinner. <laughs> Nothing's changed. So listen, man, he's, he's challenging them. Think about, think about what the Lord gave you. Think about where you should be and think about why you ended up where you were. You did not obey the Lord is the bottom line. So you can do all the fasting you want. You can do all the tradition you want. You can do all those things and you can miss everything. Oh, and then he tells them this. Then the word of the Lord came to Zechariah saying, thus says the Lord of hosts, Execute true justice. Show mercy and compassion, everyone to his brother. Do not oppress the widow or the fatherless, the alien or the poor. Let none of you plan evil in his heart against his brother. But they refused to heed. They shrugged their shoulders and they stopped their ears so they could not hear. You hear what he's saying? He's saying, hey, it's not, listen, it's not these things that you keep as a tradition. It's what's going on in your heart. And is your heart changed? Is your heart different? And then from your heart, you're gonna be doing these right things that he brings up here, and, and they're pretty simple things, right? Show mercy and compassion. Shouldn't we be the most merciful and compassionate people on the planet? I think we should. Man, we've been showing mercy if, if we understand our salvation like we should understand our salvation, man, we've been so, showing so much mercy and so much compassion by God. I look in the mirror and I'm amazed that God saved me. And some of you might think you probably deserved it. I look in the mirror and I know, man, and I look and I go, wow, I cannot believe that I'm saved. And sometimes I reflect on things I did and things I said before I was born again and, and I'm just amazed. I'm amazed that God showed me mercy and compassion and grace, but that he did that and we should be merciful. We shouldn't, we shouldn't be people judging and you know, I think way too often as Christians, 
we're guilty of pushing people away from the Lord rather than drawing them in because we're angry about things. We don't like the way some social things are going and we may not like the way culture is going and we may not agree with it and we start getting like riled up and, and then all of a sudden, man, we start telling people what we're against rather than what we're for and rather than the great God we have. And we gotta be careful. I think especially right now, man, we're at such a crossroads in our world, in such a heavy, intense time, man, I think this is a word for us that we need to show mercy, compassion, everyone to his brother, and we need to watch out for the widow and the fatherless and the alien and the poor, and hey, it's our responsibility, and then don't plan evil in your heart, and you, you know, most of us are going, dude, I do not wake up and plan evil. Yes, you do. You just call it something else. We love to rename things, don't we? Like we do something, we go, well, and we rename it. And then the interesting thing, so Zechariah calls them out, but then verse 11, I think, is important. Verse 11 and, and going into 12, he lets us know there's four interesting things that they do. And, and, you know, I read these four things, and I think, I need to check my own attitude and my own heart. Listen to what he says. He says, this is what you should be doing. But number one, you refuse to heed. In other words, you're not going to bend. I'm not going to do that. Number two, you shrug your shoulders like, eh, that's somebody else's job, right? Not my job. Number three, you plug your ears and you quit hearing. And then number four is in verse 12, and yes, they made their hearts like flint. They make their hearts hard. And you and I need to be so careful to guard against those. Listen, man, he's talking to a group of people who have been through a horrendous experience. Think about, they were taken into exile. And I believe, this is my opinion, I believe the majority of the people who came back had never seen Jerusalem before. I think they were born in exile. Because I don't think many, many people over 70 years are gonna take that trek of, you know, three and a half months of walking to come back. They're, they're gonna, no offense, but hey, you get older, you're not gonna walk that long. So, Listen, I think most of these, most of the majority of these people were, were people who had never seen this, but they seem to forget how great God is, that a gracious, kind, merciful God brought them back to Jerusalem. And he says, man, you shrug your shoulders, you plug your ears. And you know, sometimes when we're, when, you know, younger people, man, they just don't want to hear it. And so he says, hey, that's what's going on. Verse 12 again, yes, they made their hearts like flint, refusing to hear the law and the words which the Lord of hosts had sent by his spirit through former prophets, thus great wrath from the Lord, uh, from the Lord uh, came from the Lord of hosts. So again, he's talking about why did we go into exile? Here's why you went into exile. Because you didn't hear. You shrugged your shoulders. You didn't care. Now, here's what I want us to stop and think about. Are you miserable tonight? No, you don't have to answer that. You don't have to shake your head and tell me. It's, it's kind of a, a question you need to answer in your heart. Are you miserable? Are you kind of fed up? Are you really kind of thinking, man, I just, this is useless. Well, maybe the problem's, and I hate to say this and be blunt, but maybe the problem's you. Maybe you're stopping up your ears and you're not hearing the Lord. Maybe your heart is hard like flint and you're shrugging your shoulders 
and you're refusing, listen, you're refusing to heed what he says. You know what the word says and you're refusing to heed it. That's gonna make you miserable. Hey, these people that went into exile were miserable. Why? Not because God is a bad God, but because they refused to trust him. They refused to believe him. When, when God, listen, God shows us, he goes, here's the best way to have life. Here's the best way to enjoy life. Here's the best thing you can do. And we go, uh, no, I think I got a better idea. And then we get in a train wreck and we go, God, where are you? And he goes, I'm over here on the other tracks. You went your own way. So that's what the Lord is telling him. Oh, and then he wraps this up here. It's gonna get good, so, but we gotta go through the bad first. Verse 13, therefore it happened that just as he proclaimed, or therefore it happened that just as he proclaimed and they would not hear, so they called out and I would not listen, says the Lord of hosts, but I scattered them with a whirlwind among the nations which they had not known. Thus the land became desolate after them and and uh, after them so that no one passed through or returned for they made the pleasant for they made uh, the pleasant land desolate. So now listen, I don't want to stop there, so let's go right into chapter eight because I think it's important. Again, the word of the Lord of hosts came saying, thus says the Lord of hosts, I'm zealous for Zion with great zeal and great fever, or fever, I am zealous for her. Now listen what's going on. Here's what they did. Now you're back in the land, and here's what you're asking me. Remember, God is answering that question. Here's what you're asking me. Should we keep on fasting? Should we keep on mourning? Well, why were they in that position? Because they did wrong. And here's what God's saying. Think about where you're at, and then listen what he says. I love Zion. I love Jerusalem. I'm jealous for it. I want to be there. I want to I wanna be in the midst of that. And so, hey, do you want to dwell in the midst of the Lord? I do. I want to dwell in his glory. Sometimes I wish we could, you know, kind of have a signal. I wish, you know, sometimes, I wish when, sometimes when we're saved, sometimes this is what I wish, that God would just like stamp a thing across our head. Or maybe rearrange our face or do something. So people would go, wow, you're saved. Yeah, I am. And you know what? If you accept Jesus, you can be like this. I, you know, I know that's kind of weird. But, but listen, man. But we kind of shrug our responsibility. As Christians, I fully believe we could change the world. And I fully believe we could make this world a better place. But here's what happens. We shrug our shoulders. We don't heed what the Lord says. And here's what we don't understand. He so wants to dwell in our midst. God wants to dwell with us. He desires, he's jealous for that. Now, I know, listen, I know in our world, humanly speaking, you know, jealousy can be a, a, a bad thing. But God's jealousy is not a bad thing, it's a good thing. He's jealous for us. That means, man, he desires us fervently and so man listen and then he goes on and he says this this says the Lord in verse 3 I will return to Zion now again imagine you're in Zion you're the people there you're trying to lay that foundation remember where we left off in Ezra they were trying to lay the foundation and the world is coming against them. Insiders are coming against them. Nobody wants to get this done. You got a few people like, man, let's do this thing for God. And others are going, man, come on. It's not as glorious as it used to be. I remember the old way, the old temple, right? 
And then you got the outsiders coming. You bunch of punks, man. Come on, man. Why don't, you, why don't you Jews just go back into exile? You can't get it done. And now listen, man, you're there and all of a sudden here's what God says. I want to be there. Hey, I want to come and I want to dwell in your midst and I want to be part of this. And hey, I want Zion to change. He says, I will return and I'm going to be there. Wouldn't that cause you to lay a few more bricks? Come on. And then he says, listen, Jerusalem shall be called the city of truth, the mountain of the Lord of hosts, the holy mountain. So he says, think about, men, when we get going, everything's going to change. Now, I think, that would, I think that would excite a few people. I think a few people might go, okay, let's keep going. Let's forget about what the insiders and old timers are saying. Let's forget about what those people outside, who cares about them? Let's do what God has told us to do. And saints, I believe, man, if we would be even half faithful to what God has shown us, we could radically change this world. And he says, man, and if we really believe, listen, I believe the Lord's gonna come back. I believe he's gonna come back. I believe he's gonna dwell here. I believe he wants to come here. And I believe the work we do here will last. But let's get busy about it. And then in verse four, thus says the Lord of hosts, old men and old women shall again sit in the streets of Jerusalem, each one with his staff in his hand because of great age. Now listen, think about what he's saying because this is important. For 70 years, no one was sitting in Jerusalem. And even before that, someone get that phone. Even before that, and buy coffee. But even before that, listen, even before that, there was war taking away people answer your phone so there was war taking away people man and people were being destroyed and people are being killed and here's what he's saying old people can sit in the streets and not be afraid that's good huh the elderly can sit there and they can be there and and even greater than that listen the streets of the city shall be full of boys and girls playing in the streets man that sounds beautiful doesn't it it bums me that in our culture right now Man, kids don't play in the streets anymore. We got a few kids on our block that, you know, we, we have one family that I think they're training a circus because their kids are like riding all of these balance things, you know. They're, they're riding unicycles and, and other, and I'm thinking, what, what is going on, man? They got like three kids and I see them on these things. I think they're going to either die or be in a circus. But there's a few kids, there's a few kids out playing, but most kids, man, and, and then somebody once said this, you want to see what heaven's going to be like? Go watch kids. Watch the little guys, man. Because aren't, aren't kids wonderful? You know what, what I love about kids? You'll see them and they'll get mad. They'll get angry. You know, one will hurt the other one and do something and they're angry. And three minutes later, they're like buds again, man. And they're just going for it, right? They forget about it. He says, hey, once again, man, that's what it's going to be like. Look at the streets and, and think about it. Again, you're there. You're trying to build this place up. And God says, that's what's going to happen. And in verse 6, thus says the Lord, if it is marvelous in the eyes of the remnant of this people in these days, will it also be marvelous in my eyes, says the Lord of hosts. Hey, if you're doing it and you think it's good, here's a great thing. God is going to say, man, that's good for me. Think about the opportunities we have. 
and hey, we do something for the Lord, and we look at it, we go, wow, I can't believe what just happened. Here's, here's what the Lord says. Wow, I can't believe that just said. Now listen, I know he knows everything and all that, but you get my point? He's excited. God is excited when we allow him to use us and when we get something done. He's not up in heaven, some, you know, some kind of, you know, just dictator like, oh, yeah, I knew they were gonna do that. It's not surprising to me, I don't care. God has emotion. How do I know? Because he made us with emotion. And here, he's exhibiting some of that. He says, hey, you think it's marvelous? Then I think it's marvelous. And in verse eight, thus says the Lord, behold, I will save my people from the land of the east and from the land of the west, and I will bring them back, and I shall dwell in the midst of Jerusalem, and my favorite thing in the Bible, they shall be my people, and I will be their God. If I was ever gonna get a tattoo, that's what I would get tattooed on me. I'm his people and he's my God. Yeah, I just love, I just love thinking about, here's why God in heaven is saying this, you're my people. Is that wonderful? You're mine. And he's our God and we get to be his people. There we go, he's calling. That's my God calling right now, <laughs> telling us that. So listen, man, how wonderful that is. And then, and then he says, listen, listen at the end of it because it's important. In truth and righteousness. Wow. That, you could just stop here in Zechariah, right? Because it's almost heaven. Man, it's, and once again, you're, you're tired. You've been there for 10 years, maybe now 12 years. Things haven't gone well. You're worn out. You really don't want to even keep going. Zechariah has these crazy visions he's been telling you about, and you're thinking, what was he smoking? I don't know what's going on, this stuff he's talking about. And then he starts, then Zechariah starts telling you this. Well, first you come to him and say, hey, Zeke, Zach, should we still be praying and fasting, doing that stuff? He goes, well, he goes, you know, you can do that stuff if you're doing it for the Lord, but if you're not doing it for the Lord, it's for nothing. And then here's what you need to know, man. He wants to come and live here. Now, he wants to be with you. And he wants to be your God and he wants you to be his people. But here's the kicker. It's in truth and righteousness. It's not in something you make up. You can't create your own God. It always bothers me when, when people say, well, you know, Jesus is my personal savior and I personalized him. He's not like, you know, he's not like a purse that you personalize. He's God. And personal means you're acquainted with him personally, not that you personalized him. So listen, in truth and righteousness, he says. And in verse nine, this just gets better and better. We're gonna end up in heaven here pretty quick. <laughs> Rob said, we'll see you after, you know, after the message. And I always pray that I get raptured. And I mean, I would like to see Rob, but I think he's gonna get raptured too. But, but you know, and Pastor Rob, he's not here. You don't have to look for him. He's hiding. But you know, it's, it's like, it's like I'll, see you, I'll see you afterwards. And I go, maybe, maybe not. So I think we're gonna end up in heaven here. I think we're gonna get raptured about verse 14. So set your things. Thus says the Lord of hosts, let your hands be strong, you who have been hearing in these days, these words by the mouth of the prophets who spoke in the day the foundation was laid for the house of the Lord of hosts that the temple might be built. Do you hear what he's saying? 
You guys, you've been listening to Haggai. You've been listening to Zechariah. You've been listening to these two guys. Let them strengthen your hands. Hey, God does not speak to us through his word or through his men so that we will be afraid and run away. He speaks to us to strengthen us and to encourage us and strengthen your hands and let's get this thing built. Verse 10, for before these days there was no wages for many nor any hire for the beast or for beast. There was no peace from the enemy for whoever went out or came in for all the men, everyone against his neighbor. But now I will not treat the remnant of this people as in the former days says the Lord of hosts. For the seed shall be prosperous, the vine shall give its fruit, the ground shall give her increase, and the heavens shall give her due, and I will cause the remnant of this people uh, to possess all these. And it shall come to pass that just as you were a curse among the nations, O house of Judah and house of Israel, so I will, save, uh, I will save you and you shall be a blessing. Do not fear, let your hands be strong. Man, that's gonna keep you going, right? You hear what the Lord said? He says, hey, you know what? You've been doing these things, don't stop. And I know, I know you were a curse and I know you were a problem, but now you're gonna be a blessing. Do you believe that you could be a blessing to this world? Yeah, I think we should walk in that, right? I remember years ago reading a book. It was called Of Whom, the Wor- of Whom This World's Not Worthy. And it was about a Yugoslavian family during World War II and, and what they did. And the thing that impressed me, the husband, the husband was a real evangelist. And he would go into a house and here's what he would say. He would walk into a house and here's what he'd say. The Lord has entered your house today. You need to listen. That's pretty bold, Right? Now, I'm not saying we all should do that because, hey, you've got to have a special gift to say those kind of words, right? Because some would say those words and people would go, I don't think so. <laughs> but man, every time I would read that and then, and then the wife, the wife had a son. He went wayward and he walked away from the Lord and he's playing in a bar and she had gone through a long thing raising him. But anyway, he's playing in bars and here's what I love. She would go to the bar and she would go in and she would stand at the back door and then she would scream, Lord, that one, get that one there. And he would, he would say, mom, would you please stop? It's like it was, it. hey. And he ended up getting saved and he was a great, great evangelist for the Lord. But man, when we think about, listen, when we think, are we gonna be blessings to people? Now, I don't think all of us should go do those kind of radical things. If you're called to do those kind of radical things, that's fine. But once again, don't make it a tradition that turns into traditionalism and you're just doing it because, hey, I heard that lady did it. I want someone to write a book about me. So don't be weird for the sake of being weird. But are you a blessing? How about to your family? Let's just start in a home. Are you a blessing to your spouse, to your kids? See, we need to think about that. And then beyond that, let's go beyond that a little bit. Are you a blessing to those who you work with? Those you hang out with? You see, I think it's important that we would would ask ourselves that because here's what the Lord says. I don't want you to be a curse. I want you to be a blessing. Why did he save you? He saved you and left you here so you could be a blessing to others. And so listen, man, he says, hey, let your hands be strong. Maybe you're discouraged tonight and you're thinking, man, I don't know if God's ever gonna use me. You know what? Turn it around right now. Repent and change and allow him to begin working in you. Verse 14, it gets better. We're getting ready to go to heaven. Here we go. 
For thus says the Lord, just as I determined to punish you when your fathers provoked me to wrath, says the Lord of hosts, and I would not relent. So again in these days, listen to this, I am determined to do good to Jerusalem and to the house of Judah. Do not fear. Hey, maybe you feel you were judged at some time in your life and you blew it with the Lord. And here's what he's saying. Just as I was determined to do that, so I'm even more determined to take care of you now. How great is that, right? God's forgiveness knows no end. And then, and then he says, do not fear. And then verse 16, these are the things you shall do. Speak each man the truth to his neighbor. Wow. You talk to your neighbors? You might not do it when you go home. It might be a little late. Speak the truth to your neighbors. Do your neighbors know you're a Christian? They know you're a believer? Hopefully. I've invited most of my neighbors to church. And they need to know. They need to understand that. He says, speak each man truth to his neighbor. Give judgment in your gates for truth and justice and peace. You see, I think just because we want to change the world and just because we don't want to be known as what we're against, we still don't compromise. When we live our lives for God and justice and truth, we will influence people. They may not like what we represent. They might even not like how we live. But they can't help but see it. Whenever I think about that, I think of Billy Graham. Billy Graham lived such a great life his whole time, never wavered, never did those things. And hey, there were people, he went with presidents that you and I would think, why would you go talk to him? And a lot of them didn't even like what he said, but they listened to him. And they understood who he was. We need to be those kind of people. Listen, we're all not gonna have that big of a sphere of influence, but we're gonna have influence And we need to be those people, listen, man, we're gonna speak truth to our neighbor. We're gonna give judgment for gates and truth or, or judgment in our gates for truth and justice. Let none of you, verse 17, think evil in your heart against your neighbor. Wow, that's a huge one, right? Because sometimes our neighbors just, well, frankly, they just make us mad. Think evil against your neighbor? Mowing their lawn at 5 a.m. What's the matter with those people? So listen, man, don't think evil of your neighbor and do not love a false oath for all these are things that I hate, says the Lord. Verse 18, then the word of the Lord came to me saying, thus says the Lord of hosts, the fast of the fourth month, the fast of the fifth month, the fast of the seventh month, the fast of the tenth shall be joy and gladness Cheerful, uh, cheerful feasts for the house of Judah, therefore love, truth, and peace. Hey, these guys were fasting, and they made all of these fasts. On the fourth month, the fast represented when, when Nebuchadnezzar captured Jerusalem. On the fifth month, it was the time we said when, when Israel was burnt. On the seventh month, it was when uh, Gedaliah was slain. And then on the tenth month, it was to remember the, the, uh, the siege of Jerusalem and the fact that it fell. So listen, they fasted all of these months, but it was for something else it was for wrong and here's what God says I'm going to turn all of that around and make it a celebration I believe the Lord would much rather have us celebrate him 
than people who are mourning and fasting all of the time in sackcloth and ashes. You know, hey, doesn't the Bible say it's the kindness of God that leads to repentance? And we need to be people who we show some of that kindness and we're part of it. So, hey, he lays those out and he goes, hey, all of those are gonna be feasts. Verse 20, thus says the Lord of hosts. Now think again about these people who he's talking about. He says, thus says the Lord of hosts, peoples shall yet come inhabiting many cities. The inhabitants of one city shall go to another saying, let us continue to go and pray before the Lord and seek the Lord of hosts. I myself will also go. Talking about the person and they came to. And then it says, yes, many people and strong nations shall come and seek the Lord of hosts in Jerusalem and pray before the Lord. Now, do you think he's talking about in the day of Zechariah or do you think he's looking all the way ahead to the millennium? And that's what's gonna happen. And then, and then check this out. Listen, man, at the end of the tribulation and everything's going on, verse 23, thus says the Lord of hosts in those days, 10 men from every language of the nations shall grasp the sleeve of a Jewish man saying, let us go with you for we have heard that God is with you. When was the last time someone grabbed a hold of you and wanted to hang out with you because they knew that God was with you? They go, I just want to hang out with you. Why? Because I'm sensing God is with you. Wow. That's pretty intense, isn't it? And he's saying 10 guys are going to grab a hold of you. I would love just one person to grab a hold of me, not 10, and say, man, here's what I know. I see God in your life, and I know I don't have that. Man, I'm telling you something. If you're living at that time in Jerusalem, and you've become so discouraged you want to quit, and Zechariah gives you those visions and talks about, hey, don't despise the day of small beginnings. And it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And he's giving you all those visions. And then he gives you these two chapters. I don't know about you guys, but man, I would be one busy guy serving the Lord. Why? Because he's gonna come and dwell here. Hey, think about, think about what you're building. And maybe you're not, but think about what you should be building. We should be building treasures in heaven not on earth and we should be laying them up and we sang it in that song tonight right well done that's what it's all about so let's do it huh let's pretend that Zechariah was just here I kind of envision him with like a long beard and and kind of some pretty cool robes going on maybe dreads no, no, no. John the Baptist had dreads. I watched the Bible. So think about, think about, we just sat in the presence of Zechariah, and here's what he said. If you're discouraged tonight, don't give up. If you feel wounded and pushed away, don't quit. Because that's not what God intends for us. Here's what he intends for us. To do great things for him and to go forward and to trust him, and to go forward with this banner of truth and righteousness in a good way, not self-righteousness, but righteousness that attracts people to him. So let's do it, huh? Let's change the world. Let's, let's make this place so much better than when we found it, right? Let's stand up and pray. Father, I do thank you, Lord, for 
just the challenge we get from Zechariah and, and just the way he puts it with that generation, that group of people, men and women who have been, their lives have been shattered up until this point. And then came the excitement and the, the energy and then all of that dissipated as people came against them, even their own brothers and sisters and outsiders are pushing down on them and, and they're feeling completely overwhelmed like they're never gonna get this done. It's never gonna happen. And then you bring Haggai along and he tells them, man, you can get this done. Then you bring Zechariah along and he says, not only can you get it done, it can be more than you've ever imagined. And God, I hear the heart of these men and I, here's what I know. It's your heart for your people in every generation. Not just that generation, millenniums ago, but it's your heart for this generation right now. If we're discouraged and we're beat up and things aren't going right, maybe we need to check our hearts. Are we drawn near to the one who spoke in these chapters? Are we understanding we have a great God who loves us and cares for us? So I pray, I pray for my brothers and sisters standing with me right now. God, if we're discouraged and beat up and feeling like we wanna quit, change that in our hearts. Take our hearts and make them willing and make them open to you. And God, for those of us who feel excited, keep us going and use us in great ways. And we pray these things.